now, O son of man, I have set thee a watchman unto the house of Israel. Therefore, thou shalt hear the word of my mouth and warn them from me. Have no fellowship with the unfruitful works of darkness, but rather expose them. Coming to you from an undisclosed location in Middle Tennessee and examining current events from a biblical perspective, this is Bible News Radio with your hosts, Randall and Stacy Harp. people hey welcome to this edition <laughs> i'm sorry <laughs> welcome to this edition of bible news radio glad you're here yeah yeah i am <laughs> this is becca shay Just like you, every day discovering something brand new. Elohim breathes on me. Come on, Holy Spirit, come on. Come on, Holy Elohim Spirit. Elohim breathes on me. Come on, Holy Spirit, come on. Come on, Holy Spirit. Come on, Holy
you okay over there? I am. There we go. Well, this is the fun part about live streaming. What's that? <laughs> well, when you're singing, when there's a song like that, it's like you don't want to sing it because because there's so many words you might mess it up, especially if you don't know it by heart. And then the other thing is is I'm a total middle-aged woman, and that song's sung by somebody about what 20 years younger than me, at least, probably 30 years younger. I don't know how old this person is, but that would that was um, Becca Shea, and that's B E C K. A-H, and then Shay, S-H-A-E. And the song is called Shape of You, which is based on Ed Sharon's song, Shape of You, which is not wholesome, just so you know. <laughs> but, but, the, but the music is, the music's fun. That's why I like that song. Anyway, right before the show started, I was listening to some good old Keith Green, which if you're as old as me, then you know Keith Green's music, but... You know, Keith Green, and then, you know, this stuff came it came into my mind. So for what it's worth, it is what it is, people. Hey, the podcast, when you listen to the podcast, it's no problem. It's just doing the live stream. What am I supposed to do? Go like this the whole time? You know, I can't do that. Uh, anyway, so, so it's either that or you just have to look at me, do stuff, like, <laughs> like share. Uh, anyway, hey, everybody. Glad you guys are out there. See you. Thank you for joining us. Hey, we got some good news we're going to talk about tonight. And I want to um, begin the program by saying a word of prayer. Lord, I want to thank you for today. Father, you're good. Yeah, you are. <laughs> you're very good. I just want to ask that you would, you would bless the audience tonight. Pray that you would open eyes to your word that you had open ears so that we could hear your voice. And Father, that your word would richly dwell within us, that you would give us the courage to stand in a culture where compromise is king. And uh, Lord, tonight I ask that you would, you would just speak, use me for your glory. Just help whatever I'm going to say, just help it to be from you and, and nobody else. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, so you know this morning... Um, today is a special day for me in some ways, in other ways it's, it's not, um, but I'm going to go flip over here, wait to, to, to YouTube, just so you know, really fast, just so I can say hi. I see all you guys on Periscope. I'm glad you're there. And, you know, so this morning, you know, I woke up and one of, one of the first thoughts that came through my mind this morning was today's my mom's birthday. You know, and, you know, my mom would have been 76 years old today uh, if she was still among us. Um, she's with the Lord, which I'm very thankful for. To be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. Uh, she came to, to the Lord very late in life. In fact, probably a few months before she died, she, she actually committed her life to Christ. Um, and I got to see that transformation, um, unfortunately, through cancer, which is awful. I hate cancer. Cancer is evil. I don't like it. Um, and unfortunately, a lot of people are battling that. Um, and, you know, I believe that the Lord took my mother home when he did 
And I really do believe, honestly, that it was for my benefit more than anything, because it took me years to come to um, terms with my mom, because she wasn't a good mom. I mean, she was very, she was wicked. My mom was wicked. And I'm not, I'm not meaning to sound dishonoring in any way, but it's taken me many years to be able to speak the truth about what happened because nobody knew what was going on behind closed doors. And I will say that 25 years in prison for my perpetrator because of my mother in part should tell you enough to know that the crimes committed against me were big time crimes. But tonight what I want to do is I want to celebrate the fact that my mom was born because if she wasn't born, I would not be here. <laughs> so y'all got to thank my mom that I'm here, <laughs> even though she had some problems with that too, but that's okay. You know, God causes all things to work together for good for those who love Christ, who are called according to his purposes. And in the end, my mom did bow the knee. And for that, I'm very grateful. And I'm grateful that, you know, there is, there is healing in speaking the truth. And, you know, I know, and I know this is going to touch some of you. I know that the power of forgiveness is a very real thing, you know, um, because if you don't know my mom's conversion story really quick, can you hear that? It's my dog scratching. Yeah, he is. If you don't know my mom's conversion story, she had, she was diagnosed with stage four cancer when I was in grad school and I had the choice to go and be with her or not. And Randall walked with me through this whole thing. So he can totally testify. He actually saw the change and stuff, but I had a choice and, and the choice was either let her go and die and, and have nothing to do with her or it was to walk alongside her and be what my professor called a ministry of presence. And I think sometimes we underestimate that ministry, just the ministry of being present with somebody. You don't have to always say anything to be a minister. And so I prayed about it and I, I was like, okay, Lord, I'm going to go ahead. I'm going to, I hadn't talked to her in probably about six months up until that point. And I decided to go down and, and be with her. I'll never forget it. I walked into her hospital room. She's laying there, um, not in a very pretty sight. Um, and I went and I walked in. I remember so clearly the Holy Spirit fell on me. I could feel his presence. I sat there with my mom and um, I told her I forgave her. My mom never confessed to the crimes that she committed against me. She never asked for my forgiveness. Even to the day she died, she never asked or confessed what she had done. She knew what she had done. Um, and she knew that it warranted, you know, quarter of a century in jail, probably more. And what I can tell you is that after I forgave my mom, it was within a few days, my younger brother called me up. And he said to me, he said, you're not going to believe this, but mom just became a Christian. And he was right. I didn't actually believe it. I was, I was shocked. I was, I literally was shocked. I was like, really? Cause this, I got to believe, you know, I mean, I, I was, 
I was dumbfounded by that. Um, but my husband and I went up and we visited. And you have to understand that when I was in, in grad school, Randall and I, we lived down in Orange County. I, my mom lived in Corona. She had chemo in Moreno Valley. I had to go to grad school in Costa Mesa. <laughs> you can go look up those places on a map. I lived in Orange. So I went from Orange to Corona to pick up my mom, drove her to Moreno Valley, sat there with chemo for all those hours, drove her back to Corona, come back to my house, and then I would go to grad school until 10 o'clock at night. That, w that was my, my life for, for a, a while, uh, quite a while. Um, and there was a lot of car time in there with me and my mom. We drove a lot in the car and, and all this other stuff. Um, but there was... If, you, if you've ever been in a relationship with somebody who puts on a face to the world, but behind closed doors, they're a monster, that's kind of my mom. She was not, you know, she would like be a charmer to people. Oh, yeah. But, you know, when the doors were shut, you just want to go hide because there, there was nothing good there. Um, but when my mom became a Christian, all of a sudden... The curses that she had for me turned into a blessing. And, you know, my mom was non-affectionate, didn't hug me my whole life, was very, you know, could, she didn't care. I mean, she, you know, I may as well have been an orphan, honestly. Um, but after she became a Christian, she became affectionate. And one of the last times I saw her, well, actually, the last time I saw her, she was in a hospital bed. But I remember hugging her, and I have very long hair, which really annoyed my mother. <laughs> she didn't like it because it got all over the place, and anybody with long hair knows that your hair falls out, and you get a lot of hair, but she didn't like that. But the, one of the last times I hugged her, I, I hugged her. We were, in, we were in the hospital bed. I was hugging her, and my earring got stuck in her hair you know, in, in, in the thing, <laughs> we were, we were like, you know, we were like, I was like, this is good. We're actually connected because of my, because of my thing. And it was one of those tight moments that we had to break away, like without hurting each other. Cause you know, my mom by that point was very thin and frail. Um, and then on her deathbed on November 4th, I told her that one day I would share with her, with the, with the world, what the Lord had done with her. And that was in 19, no, it wasn't. That was in 2002. So that was a long time ago. That was 18 years ago. If God, well, obviously God knew. God knew what was coming in our life. Because it was a couple of years after that that this show was launched. And the internet and the ministry God called me to, you know, I didn't, I had no clue. I was being a therapist. I was literally in grad school trying to be a head shrinker. That's what I wanted to do. But God knew better. And so let's praise God for the internet, for technology, for the end times as knowledge has increased and gone throughout the whole world. And for the time that we're in, you know, in the book of Acts, the book of Acts tells us that that God appointed us to be alive during the time period in which we are so that we could come to faith in him should we find him. And I don't know about you, but I am so thankful to be alive during this time in history. We are living, in my opinion, 
and one of the greatest times in history. And we are on a we are on the brink of something great in the world. And maybe you don't think so, but I do. Because you know what? Jesus is coming back, you guys. And what I'm going to tell you is, you know, I've been studying in Judges and some others in Revelation, actually. It's kind of interesting. You guys have no idea what God's been doing with me lately. Some of you kind of have a little bit of a little peek inside. But but what I will tell you is that there is a, <clears throat> a very um, clear line that we're going to all have to be careful with. And that is compromise, you know, and I was thinking about it this morning uh, because because if you look at the book of Judges and I'm no expert at that, this book at all, but I've been studying it. And I have to tell you that beginning to understand when God's people compromised, when they did, when they when they disobeyed God, right, when they decided that they were going to intermarry, number one, God didn't want them to do that, when they decided that they were going to start worshiping the other gods that God told them not to, to, to worship. But, oh, we'll do this over here. <laughs> hey, on Sunday, we'll worship you over here in the temple and over here, you know, we'll go ahead and do this, this worship thing. And, you know, there's this very clear example in my life. And it's so funny because I've never forgotten this. I remember when I was probably about, um, oh, I don't know, maybe nine or 10. I lived, I was living in California at the time and and um, we used to live at the foot of Big C Mountain. If you know, if you know California, Riverside, California, uh, um, the University of California, Riverside, UCR, there's a big mountain. It's called Big C Mountain. They have this C on there. Uh, we used to, I used to live at the foot of that mountain. And right behind me, there was a neighbor with an adjacent um, yard behind us. Uh, you guys probably have that. House isn't living behind you. Well, anyway, I wasn't a Christian at that point, wasn't even going to church at this point. And we had neighbors that were, I think, I think that they were Buddhist. I'm not really sure. I think they were. And I remember this neighbor coming to me and inviting me into their home. And, and I did. And they had these little statues. They were like little, little statues. And what they did was they went and they kissed them. And they told me that the, that they were gods. And so I remember so clearly going in their home and they're like, yeah, go ahead, do that. And I remember going, okay. So I like kissed this idol or whatever it was. And I remember thinking to myself, even as a 10 year old, not knowing Christ yet, this is weird. Why would I want to kiss this, this weird object? This is just, you know, wood or plastic or whatever it was made out of. Um, and, and yet, when you look at the Old Testament, there's so much of that stuff, whether they're making a golden calf or, or whatever, you know, they, they had all these idols, they would worship them, um, you know, and God would get upset with them, obviously, you know, I mean, if you think about stuff like that, in some ways, it's kind of crazy, but in other ways, when you consider the spiritual blindness it makes sense because why would anybody know any different if they're not, they don't have their eyes opened, right? The scales haven't fallen off their eyes. But anyway, so anyway, so this cycle of compromise, I, I, as I was thinking about it in Judges, but then also thinking about it in the book of Revelation, if you look at the church of Sardis in chapter three, 
the church of Sardis was known by God. God knew. God was like, hey, you guys have a reputation for being alive, but you're really dead. Yeah, you are. But there's a few among you that are actually okay. And, and you will get that, you know, the white robe. But most of you guys, you have this reputation for being alive, but you're really dead. And God knows that, right? He knows what's going on. He knows what's going on in the church. He knows what's going on in your life. And so then that got me thinking about the last 30 or 40 years that I've been a Christian. I haven't been a Christian 40 years yet, but it's I'm getting close. And I was thinking about the church movement and how the church in America, at least in my lifetime, has gone from... Uh, hymns to Christian praise music to the seeker sensitive movement going, Hey, we need to have some cool, like, you know, begin to make the church look more like the world so that we can bring, bring non-Christians in here. And then we can convince them that they can, that God loves them and stuff. And, and let's just make what we do more appealing to the world. <laughs> we'll bring that in. And then next thing you know, no Bible studies are happening anymore. People aren't going to Christian camp. Bible memory has gone out the window. Uh, you know, and I remember so clearly in the last church I was in in California, I'll never forget it. I was, it was a Sunday night. I was sitting in the um, kitchen area with the women. We were having a quote Bible study with a video, which I won't say who it was, but it really wasn't. It was, it was, it was irritating to be honest. And this guy comes knocking at the door and the women's ministry leader, she goes and opens it, opens it up and he comes in and he says, Hey, do you guys have a church bulletin with a list of your, your Bible studies here? And I'm sitting there and I'm like, dude, <laughs> you're pretty much walking in on it. That's about it. But I didn't say anything. And the woman, she's like, Oh yeah, no, we don't have any Bible studies. And I thought to myself, Yep, and here I've been trying to get some Bible apologetics curriculum in for Sunday school. It was shot down by the pastor. Here I am doing some other stuff. Meanwhile, Randall has a group of older women who came to them, basically came to Randall secretly and said, Hey, can you do a Bible study? Just we'll we'll meet here. You know, can you can you do this Bible study? And Randall's like, Yeah, okay, sure. So we would come and Randall would lead this Bible study. Because the church wasn't offering it. Because why? Because the church became a business and started to compromise the gospel of Jesus Christ. And all of a sudden, Jesus was gone. He left the building because all people cared about was, well, hey, this is a place to drop off my kids. Or, hey, this is a place just because I want to go to feel good. And, yeah, let's get into celebration recovery. Let's talk about our problems and begin to psychologize Christianity. And I will say for you, <laughs> some of you might not like this, but I hold a master's degree in clinical psychology and psychology does nothing. Okay. I know been there, done that, got the, you know, I paid a lot of money for my degree. That's worth basically nothing because healing doesn't come through that. Healing comes through through the word of God. And it's interesting because here we are in the end days. We are in the end of the end days. I have no doubt about that whatsoever. You, I'd stake my life on it. We are near the end. We are, we're at the very end. We're very close to the end. Not the end of the world, but the end of the end days. 
And what I will tell you is that the church in America has completely compromised and the church all over the world, frankly, has as well, except for one part. And that is the church that's being purified. And that's the persecuted church and the remnant of today. Now there's a remnant. And believe me, you will know who the remnant are because those are the ones that the media will persecute if they're prominent in any way. And they are the ones that will hold fast to the word of God when it says sin is sin and they'll call it out as such. They will be maligned. They'll be crucified figuratively in the media and they will be vilified and they'll be like, well, you know, that guy's a hater or, you know, whatever. And the mega churches don't have it. Right now, I'm not saying all megachurches are horrible and evil. They have their place. But what I will say is that there is a massive compromise within the body of Christ that we need to repent of. I read an article, and I'm not going to pull it up. You can go look it up. But Kenneth Copeland, who is a complete false teacher, and I know some of you probably don't agree with me on that, but the guy is, he's a word of faith, complete false teacher. His ministry was just hacked, and they have reported this man has brought in over that his ministry is worth $760 million. I'm sitting there, and I'm like, and how much of that money is going to disciple people? How much is that money going to you know, go out there and, and transform the culture with a biblical gospel, not a word of faith one that, you know, you blab it and grab it and let's do this stuff and all that. 760 million bucks for what? <laughs> I'm just like, wow, that's just nuts. Now God can use anybody, mind you, but but I will say, that there is compromise in the camp and we have to repent big time of that. And so my question to you is, where are you? Where are you at? Where are you at? Where are you compromising? Think about it. You don't have to tell me, but where, where do you compromise? Um, do you compromise your time? Like, like, do you spend, well, let me just go back and say this. Randall and I were talking about this today and just talking about how, um, how do I put this? How, whenever there is a, a situation um, and compromise becomes an issue. It's always the world that overcomes the believer. And the reason why is because when people engage in things of the world and they bathe in it more than they're bathing in God's word, there is a predominant thought that happens in your life. Okay. So, and, and that's not a popular thought either, a thought to say. It's not, it's not a, everything I'm saying is not popular and some of you might not like me for it. 
but I'm used to that. So I don't, I don't really care all that much. But what I will say is, is have you thought about it? Have you thought about it? You know, <laughs> I mean, how many hours a day do you watch media? How many hours a day do you watch the news? How many hours a day are you in social media? How many hours a day are you listening to music? How many hours a day is your mind thinking about stuff that has nothing to do with the Lord? Compared to how many hours a day are you spending in God's word and studying it? I want to tell you something. Studying God's word is hard. <laughs> it's hard. You got you have to you have to really be very intentional about it. Uh, because it's not one of these things where you're going to be able to understand everything right away. It's just not going to happen. And and prior to the last six months or so of my life, I was walking around in big, huge, massive compromise myself. And that's what God has convicted me of. Just showing me like, hey, you know what? Miss Bible News Radio, <laughs> you're not spending any time in God's word. Not like you think you are. And I'm like, oh, yeah, I know. you're right. I know. I have all this other stuff going on, though, Lord. Don't you know? Don't you know I got a dad to take care of? Don't you know I got this going on? Don't you know that I have a job I have to do because blah, blah, blah. Um, and God's like, yeah, I know. <laughs> I'm like, yeah, I know, you know. But something happened a, a couple of months back where I was challenged. The Lord he. The Lord challenged me. First of all, he started talking to me in dreams. And I don't say that lightly. He actually did. And number two, I was like, okay, I have to make a choice between this pursuit that I have here and actually taking the time to be with the Lord in his word. And <sighs> my pride, I, I have it. I confess it. I'm like, I don't need help. Yeah, I do. <laughs> I totally need help. I need help. You all need help. Just so you guys know, you all need help. In fact, every Christian out there needs help. The question is, do you, are you aware of how much help you actually need? And I'm not saying that you need help like from a therapist. You need help from God and his body to do what he's called you to do. Because you know how weak you are. You are so weak and you don't even know it. You know, and I'm just, I'm talking from my own experience. Uh, you know. You know, one of the things God showed me, I know I'm going on here, but, but one of the things that God showed me lately is that, you know, where he says in Matthew, come unto me, all ye who are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take upon me, you know, my yoke, because my burden is light. I think it's something like that. You, you know what I'm trying to say. I never realized how much I carried alone. Totally, I mean, totally, I mean, I got Randall, but I never realized how much stuff I carry by myself because I'm too prideful to ask for help or, um, I, I just don't tell God. I just don't want, I don't even ask God for help. I don't. I'm like, when I pray, I'm like, Lord, help me with blah, blah and bless so-and-so and blah, blah, so-and-so and blah, blah. Did you know this God about so-and-so? <laughs> Can you help me with this? But it's it's never it's it's never the stuff the real stuff like I don't get into the deep gun the gut wrenching stuff because God knows you know He knows because that's my attitude Lord you already know I don't have to tell you 
But God has shown me something very, very clear lately. And that is that um, I'm a control freak in many ways. Raise your hand if you're with me on that one. Um, number two, I don't trust him very much. I used to think I did, but I really don't. I, I don't trust God as much as I thought. Um, but you know what the, the greater thing is that I've learned? Is that I don't believe that he loves me. Hmm. Says my husband. <clears throat> and here, I'm just being real here, right? Because who am I if I'm not real? I was thinking about it. There's this passage in Judges that <clears throat> somebody looked at it as a, you know, a example of a healthy relationship between a daughter and a father. <laughs> I looked at, looked at it as, really, that daughter has a lot of nerve asking that dad and the husband to do that on their behalf. Because from my frame of reference, I've never had anybody ask for help. And that is difficult because when you're raised <clears throat> and you're used and abused, and I don't ever walk as a victim, but I'm just telling you my experience. If you're raised and you're taught that you can't trust the ones who are supposed to be protecting you, and then you come into a, 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 a walk with God, you know, it, it, it can be here in your head. You can, you can get it. You can get all the theology, but it isn't until it hits your heart that it really becomes something that is very um, real. You know, I was the kid that turned in my, my perpetrator. I didn't have an adult do that. I went to adults. In fact, I went to the church and the church told me, go somewhere else. That's what the church told me because the church didn't want to get involved. I was just a kid. I was 13. 14. Would you do that? If I had a 14-year-old come to me and say, I'm being abused by my, my family and they're threatening to kill me and they're doing all this other stuff, would I just tell them, oh, just go somewhere else? Hell no. I would get I would get on the phone. I'd get that kid. I would call the police. I'd be right there with that kid. I would protect that kid if it, no matter the cost. But I didn't have people in the church doing that because, frankly, they were compromised. And I found out many years later when I came to the pastor of that church that I told that was going on with me. He didn't do it because his wife was abused and it was too uncomfortable for him. That was an adult. God delivered me from way more than I will ever be able to tell any of you. I know the depth of that. But it's taken me a long time to get to the place where it's because I know he loves me. And it's because for the very first time in many years, 
I have people in the body of Christ who actually are loving me. And what I'm going to tell you guys <clears throat> is that it's taken me a very long time to cry in my life. There were decades I didn't cry. I was so angry for decades. Long time. You know, you could just put me in a leather jacket with some, you know, nunchucks, and I, I would be ready to kill anybody, kick, kick people's butts, just, you know, smack them upside the head. That's how mad I was. Almost homicidal at some points. And I'm not proud of that. I'm not proud of that at all because I know a lot of what I went through, other women that have gone through it, that's the route they go. They go into drugs and prostitution and stuff like that. And I'm so God, so thankful God saved me from that, that route. But what I can tell you is that that hardened heart, until your heart's really broken and you realize the depth of your own depravity, because look, there comes a point in your life where you cannot walk and blame anybody. You have to accept responsibility for your own stuff. You know, you choose to compromise when you harden your, your when you harden your heart. You choose to compromise when you're doing something you know you know you shouldn't do it and you do it anyway and you don't tell anybody. If you're an addict, you know exactly what I'm talking about. If you're an alcoholic and you're slamming that alcohol and nobody knows because you're a dry alcoholic, maybe in, to the most part, but maybe you're a functional alcoholic. You know, you, you, some of you are addicted to porn. You know who you are. You look at pornography. It's hard not to in this society. That's why I don't watch TV. Because I know what happened to me and I know how easy that can trigger me. And you know what? Pornography addiction is huge within the women segment population. You know, it's huge. And any of you out there who don't think it's a big problem with women, you don't know. Because it is a big problem with women. You know, and I'm, I'm just like, why, why, what is it that causes God's people to run to these idols, these creature comforts, these things that we really think are going to help us, but they don't. In fact, what they do is they, they become a strong bondage and they become in a, a world of imprisonment and the devil knows it. he's got you. Because you're too ashamed to tell anybody about it. I remember years ago. I'm, I'm just, I'm just going to share this. I've shared this before. I'm, I'm, I'm real. I'm going to share this with you. Years ago, I was in a Bible study. And the pastor, he was like, hey, you know, he's playing the, his worship music. And I was a young believer, by the way. And he's like, hey, you know, God wants to heal you. Let's just confess your sin. Blah, 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 blah. And so I was sitting there. I was like, okay, Lord, I'm going to confess my sin. I have a problem with masturbation. Yeah, I do. I was introduced to that when I was being molested. And that was a stronghold in my life at that point. It's not now. But what I can tell you is back then it was. And what I can tell you was, you know what happened? <laughs> I look back now as a 52-year-old, look back at that 20-whatever-year-old I was, and I look back at that pastor and what he did, and I'm like, holy crap, that guy is probably addicted too. Because <laughs> that guy didn't know what the heck to do, because nobody was being real. 
people just all, oh yeah, hey, pray for brother so-and-so who had that problem. Really? <laughs> I laugh at that. Not because I think it's funny, but because I look at the duplicity of it all and the fact that it's so phony. If you wonder why you don't have the power of God in your life, it's because you haven't confessed your sin, in part. Right? And you know, as a retired therapist, that topic is like the number one topic in therapy. Look, I'm just going to tell you, if you never want to be a therapist, if you can't talk about sex openly with people. And the church compromises even on that issue. Right? I, I, I mean, I could tell you stories. I'm not going to. But, but what I will say is that a loving God never condemns you. He, he says, I love you. Go and sin no more. And yet the church has compromised and come to a place where we're like, you know, hey, why don't you go to that 12-step program? And there's nothing wrong with that, by the way. I'm going to tell you, 12-step is great. Um, it's helped me in some ways in the past. Um, and I know it's helped some of you. But there comes a point where that's, that's not enough. God's word is enough. Testifying is enough. And trusting is enough. If, if you can't trust God, who can you trust? Right? That's what he's showing me. He's like, hey, Stace. By the way, Stacey Lynn, <laughs> you are a, uh, I'm just going to love you, just so you know. And I'm like, no, you're not. <laughs> <laughs> and am I alone? Is anybody getting this? Or am I just wearing my heart out here for the whole world to hear? You know what I'm talking about? So in the culture that we live in today, where we are on the cusp in America of being reset in some way, will it be Donald Trump? Will God show us mercy for another four years? Or is Joe Biden going to get the office of president? And will we end up with Kamala Harris as our president? And will we end up on the fast track to more persecution in this state, in this country? I believe that will happen. And I really do believe with all my heart, you guys, that spiritually, we're really at a tipping point. The fact that America is still here after however many years we've been around, we've beaten the odds as a nation. But at some point, America has got to fall because the whole world is going to turn against Israel as we talked about a little bit last night. So with that said, may you know that whenever I share anything like this, it's not because I'm trying to have my own personal therapy and bear my soul to the world, but I do believe that God has called me to be a voice in this day, in this age. And I think that he's brought me through 30 years of, of healing and working on me to be able to get to the point where he desires truth in the inner parts. He wants to know us. He really does love us. You know, and I struggle with my mom because my mom never told me she loved me until the very end. You know, and I think, man, God had a purpose for her life. And if 
the only purpose for her life was to have me and my brothers so that we could share the gospel with somebody else. I don't know. What I, what I know is that I just have to share because I want you to be healed. And I don't want you to be afraid of the one that loves you. You know, I was watching a show today. I don't watch TV much. And I, I in fact, I rarely watch it. And um, I found this show. It's called The Pack. It's on um, Amazon Prime. It's a brand new show, by the way. And that show um, is about um, dog owners. And, and they and they're doing it's you know, it's one of those contest shows where where they they get you and your dog and you get to be with some other people and their dog and they're, they're doing these these competitions and stuff. And I was just really moved, not so much by the competition. I actually shut it off after the second episode because I got kind of got bored because I get bored easy. But what really came through in that show was that the dog owners really love these dogs. And I thought to myself, those are my people. Anybody that can really love a dog, that gets the love of a dog, uh, is my people. <laughs> you know, this one woman was talking about how her, 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 uh, I think it was um, uh, Labrador, black lab, a black lab, which, by the way, was one of the first dogs I wanted. Um, how after she had a miscarriage halfway through her pregnancy, even though she had another baby, a little toddler at the time, that black lab would sit and just be with her and lick her face when she cried. And they're showing the other people that she's sharing this with. There's this guy. Tears are coming down his face. And I start crying. <laughs> I'm crying. And I'm, I'm crying because it's like, oh, I get it. You know, Grover, he licks my face all the time. <laughs> you know, my little buddy, you know. In fact, yesterday I was really worried about him because he, he came. He jumped in my lap and he was shivering. He was like shaking like a leaf. And I'm like, dude, what's up? You know, he's just like terrified. And so he, I got him and I brought him and, you know, and, and, you know, I was sitting in a chair and he came over, he, he sat next to me, squished himself up against the side so that he could feel really safe. And then I prayed over him. I called Randall down and Randall prayed over him too. And then he calmed down. But I thought to myself, how weird that here he was something, I don't know what it was. Something spooked him. I actually thought something spiritual was going on, to be honest, but something spooked him. He literally leapt from the couch over into the chair I was at and I just held him. And I thought, Lord, thank you. This dog trusts me. He's terrified of something. He came to his mom. <laughs> I'm his mom, you know, and I just held him for a while. And I'm like, that's how God is with me, right? Except I don't leap. I just stay and I get scared and I, I walk away and I go like this and I'm like, please don't hurt me because I'm a big chicken. I know it. I know I am. <sighs> and God knows. But I think he also knows that we're not like that. We're not what, how we see ourselves from the inside out isn't how other people see us. Which comes to the last insight I'll share. And that is, how do you think people see you? I know I'm being philosophical, but how do you think people see you? You know? I remember when I was hospitalized for depression and I'll never forget this because for some reason it just, you know, I went in there and I was hospitalized in a mental hospital after, uh, you know, I, I, I put myself in there to get help. That was an experience. I wish I had my journals from then. That would have been good. But I'll never forget the lady says to me, man, you have a chip on your shoulder. And I thought to myself, you know what? 
I don't know why you're thinking that, but um, if you want to think that, then go for it. Because, you know, if you get close to me, I'm going to haul off and punch you in the face. You know what I mean? <laughs> I was offended because she, she said, you seem angry. Oh, yeah, <laughs> you're right. <laughs> you know, at the time, I didn't feel angry. I felt scared and I felt really hurt and like nobody's listening to me. You know, and then when you go in one of these places, they lock you in there and they treat you like criminal, you know, like, hey, you can't have this, this and this. And, you know, I mean, it's just anyway, it's it's an interesting experience. Um, But I look back now and I laugh because I'm like, yeah, you were. (laughs) You were a little bit mad, just a little bit. Yeah, you were. Um, But let me ask you this. In all seriousness, when was the last time you cried? And not, not like, when was the last time you cried, just like at a movie or anything, but when was the last time you cried because you felt loved by somebody? Or you cried because you really did feel bad for what you did. And you're like, you know what? Yeah, I, I completely blew it there, didn't I? I'm going to throw this out and just throw this out too. When was the last time you cried with somebody else? When was the last time you saw somebody else cry and you were like, you know what? I'm with you. I get it. I can feel your pain. I get it. I've been there. I get that. I would say that if it's been a long time, I would ask yourself, why? Why is your heart so hard? I know for me, that's what I've been thinking about a lot. And um, I feel uncomfortable a lot of the time, to be honest with you. I feel very vulnerable most of the time. Because I used to think crying was a bad thing. I was told not to cry, in fact. I was told to laugh and be a clown and make everybody else feel better. And I'm a natural sanguine. I, I typically am a tigger, but tigger runs deep. You know what I mean? And I think Jesus ran pretty deep. I don't think these are laughing times, though, you guys. I don't. And I think we need to get real. Because there's a lot of people out there who need to know what real, authentic Christianity is. 
And I think the games need to stop. And I think pastors need to repent. I think the church as a whole needs to repent. And I think we need to get back to the truth. You know, I was reading in Acts recently, and, you know, Stephen, when he was stoned, one of these passages in, in the book of Acts that has always um, touched me at a very deep level was when Stephen got stoned, and the, the, the Word of God says that Jesus stood up. We always see Jesus sitting at the right hand of God, but in this instance, when the first martyr was happening, Jesus stood up. You ever thought about that? Have you ever thought about Stephen as he's dying? He looks up, he says, shows that Jesus is standing up. Why? Why did Jesus stand up? I think because he was ready. Give him a hug. <laughs> you did it. Yeah, you did. But now let me tell you about this Saul guy. Pretty soon I'm going to talk to him. <laughs> well done, Stephen. It's crazy what we believe. When you really think about it, it is insane what, what, what I believe as a believer. But you know what? It's real. It's true. And there's a real war going on. And you know, the devil, his main tactic is deception, disguise, deceit, lies. And if he can get us to live in all of that, guess what? He wins. If God is who he is, and he is, and we're who he is, you know, is in him, then who are we if we're not like him? You know, Jesus stood up to the people. Read John 8 later. Just go read that chapter. It's such a good chapter. I was struck by it today as I was reading it. I read it in our daily disciples group. But if you, if you, if you read John 8, it's interesting because Jesus was talking about his relationship with the Father and he's telling these religious people, hey, you know what? I'm from above. You're, you're from below. <laughs> you don't know where I'm coming from. I do. You know, you're trying to tell me one thing about me and I'm telling you, uh, no, this is who I am. <laughs> he, he didn't back down from who he is and neither should we if we're hidden in him. Does that make sense? Okay. All right. Well, I don't know if you guys are making any comments. It doesn't look like it, but if you are, I, I'm not seeing them. Uh, so Randall, you got, you want to say anything? Cause I have a couple of news articles to get to you now that the show is almost technically over. Well, I changed the title on a couple of the platforms that I could <laughs> okay. because we didn't, didn't uh, even broach a topic of new world order reset. So oh, okay. uh, <laughs> even though I had some articles queued up about that, right. Um, that'll be some other time. All right. But on the, since you did touch on compromise at the beginning, okay. You know, and mentioned the book of Judges. I think the um, the prime example of the sort of the embodiment of compromise is in the life of Shimshon or Samson, mm. um, where you know he has this, this dedication to God through a Nazarite vow, 
but we find him breaking that vow. He's not supposed to touch anything, anything regarding you know grapes, uh, you know the fruit of the vine, nor the you know drink made from it. But we find him in a vineyard. Um, he's not supposed to touch a dead body. We find him, you know, gathering honey out of a lion's carcass, and and all during this time, and you know, he's got this, uh, he's got this crush on this uh, woman, and uh, anyway, and she toys with him, you know, because he's a threat to the enemy. And anyway, he says, well, if you bind me with new ropes and blah, 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 then my... And, right. and he toys with her and it never happens. And, you know, he breaks free from whatever. And then finally, he compromises again on Nazarite vow. He said, if you cut my hair off, in other words, I mean, it's not just a do thing with God, touching grapes or, you know, touching dead bodies or other things. But this is like, this is a a physical commitment it's not just a do thing it's a it's a it's a thing that identifies me as having this vow with god if you cut this off then that'll and sure enough they cut off his hair the hair has never been cut and i think it's in judges 16 around there that anyway uh when they after his hair is cut off he says you know i'm just gonna break free like all ice have and it says, and he did not know that the Lord had left him. Hmm. Um, you know, it was compromise yeah. for compromise for compromise. And it wasn't like a, boy, I can tell that the Holy Spirit's not with me. You know, I can tell that I'm, it just, he was in such a state that the Lord had left him. He wasn't even aware of it. Um, um, you know, well, and that, he, I think that's how a lot of people are right now. I don't think a lot of people realize how that God isn't with them. Right. And so, right. And that to me, so that's sort of like, he's the poster child for compromise. It's not like this, you know, willful, um, I'm going to compromise today. It was, it was this incremental, you know, trade this, trade that, trade that. And so that, I guess the, you know, the proverbial frog in the boiling water and when it got to the point, you know, the Lord left and me, he, he didn't even know because he'd been so removing himself from his commitment to the Lord that by that time, when he was willing to give up the thing that I outwardly identified him as having a commitment to the Lord, then I mean, he just pretty much threw it all away. And yet God was gracious in the end after he'd had his eyes poked out and all that. Yeah, uh, that's painful. The Lord did grant him the opportunity to do, you know, to go out in a blaze of glory, so to speak. <laughs> um, but he was humbled at that point. He was humbled and broken and realized that God didn't owe him anything. But, you know that he might do something not for himself to be, oh, let me be, you know, let me be glorious in the sight of people. He's like, God, let me do something for you. Is You know, it, it's going to take my own life in the, in the process, but and if you're willing, just you know, help me do this for you and for country kind of thing. Lay down my life in this way if you'll grant me. And God did. Uh, you know, 
broken heart and a kind, trite spirit, you know, God will not despise. Um, you know, that verse, I love that verse for a couple of reasons. Number one, um, it goes contrary to what I was raised with, right? Hey, if you're broken hearted, go hide it. Don't let anybody see because I don't give a crap. You know, in fact, shut up. You're making me look bad. You know, and you know, you might, you might have heard, Hey, big boys don't cry. You know, that these are the, the hardened things of, of calloused hearts, right? I mean, they say that. And so people hide, they don't, they don't feel, they don't feel their feelings. And, um, and yet here, when the word of God says the broken and contrite, God is near the brokenhearted and contrite spirit and that he doesn't despise that. That's like, oh, like, you know, like if I had a kid come to me and they're brokenhearted about something, I would be like, come here, let's talk. You know, do you need a hug? I'll hug you. Do you want me to hold you a little bit? I'll hold you too, you know, in an appropriate way, of course, you know, and just talk it through. Just listen. That's what most people need. They just need people to listen. They don't need them to fix them or anything. Just listen. But we don't want to do that because that's hard. That's hard stuff. That's why people pay therapists. So I did. Um, but yeah, God, he's near to that. He doesn't run away. People run away from that. The irony of that is that people will run towards anger and they will... They will be in groups that are angry and they will rally in anger like we're seeing in our culture, but they won't rally to comfort without anger. Think about that because it's true. Um, people are uncomfortable at funerals. That that might be a little different situation, but even, I mean, like me, I'm, I'm going to be honest with you. I'm having a woman coming on our show in a little, in a a couple of weeks who has cancer, um, a new friend of mine. And, um, and when I heard her testimony, I was like, I am not going to do anything with this. <laughs> I'm like, Nope, Lord, I ain't doing that. Nope. But God really laid it on my heart to ask her on the show. And it's completely out of my comfort zone, completely a topic I don't want to talk about, but I had an, I had a conversation with her not too long ago, and um, and she actually ministered to me and prayed for me and cried with me. Kind of interesting thing, and and I asked her to come on the show because she has a message for those of you who are disabled, who feel alone and isolated, and I think that she can minister to you in a way that I can't. Um, and she's just a pretty cool person in general. Um, so, yeah, so stay tuned for that. Also, I, I do want to share with you one good news story that came out this week. Uh, my friend Darren Mel, who is former homosexual, shared this with me. U.S. Appeals Court rules the ban on therapy for unwanted same-sex attraction is unconstitutional. Those of you guys know that I laid aside my career as a therapist because of this issue. I wouldn't compromise on it. Um, this is good news. A federal appeals court on Friday ruled that bans on therapy for minors struggling with unwanted same-sex attraction violate the First Amendment. 
of the U.S. Constitution. In a two-to-one decision, the U.S. Court of Appeals for the 11th Circuit declared unconstitutional two ordinances banning sexual orientation change efforts therapy, which is often derisively called conversion therapy. In the city of Boca Raton, Boca Raton, in Palm Beach County, Florida, the court noted in its decision in late 2017, Palm Beach County and Boca Raton, am I saying that right? Whatever. Anyway, yes. had joined a growing list of states and municipalities that prohibit controversial therapies. Did I say that wrong? Okay. Municipalities? Yeah. Only Whatever. one in. <laughs> My eyes are a little blurry, okay, from crying. So. You're, you're not alone. I hear other people say. Okay. Anyway, anyway um, Judge Britt Grant and Judge Barbara Lagoa, both of whom were appointed by President Donald Trump, sided with the plaintiffs, therapist Robert Otto and Julie Hamilton, who, by the way, has been on my show. Julie has. Licensed marriage and family therapists who provide counseling to minors who have unwanted same-sex attraction or unwanted gender identity issues. Anyway, here's the thing. Basically, the gay activists came in and said, look, there's a law now in all these different states that basically if you have a kid that's 18 and under and you're the parent, you want them to get help for their unwanted same-sex attraction, you can't. It's against the law. Well, these Christians, they decided, you know what? We're going to go and take this to court. They did, and this is saying that they won. So that is good news. That is good news. It means it's unconstitutional that... To ban somebody from wanting to get the help that they want to get. And as a parent, you have a right to get your child the help that they need, especially if they want it. Right? I mean, that is so, this, yeah, I'm, I'm not even go there. I'm not going to go on the rant, but I will just say that, that is good news. Okay. And so with that said, um, uh, I will um, save the, the other topic. <laughs> For another day, I, I I'm sorry. I I have to I have to say I'm sorry that I didn't address the topic that about the world new order, the new world order, not in the way that I wanted. I that two for three days. I'm just gonna be honest. I'm I'm I've been sitting here reading the Bible and doing some stuff, and I've had this thought go through my mind. I was telling Randall, and he he's like, "What?" And I'm like, "I feel like I have to give a speech." I, I literally feel like I have to get up with a microphone <laughs> somewhere <laughs> and give a speech. I, I just feel like I have to speak. Like I have to give this speech about what I just gave you a speech about. So maybe that was God. I don't know. Uh, but just so you know, that's been on my heart to, to, uh, to share that because I think it needs to be said. And I think that... Uh, I, I don't think I'm going to be obedient if I didn't say it. Um, so, there you go. So, um, you, any anybody have any questions or comments before we leave? I guess Randall's trying to get me out of here. So, I see Sean and Rachel. I see Mia. I see Vicky and Susan and Dawn and Janet. Um, I don't know who else is out there. Um, And Jerry, I think, was over on Facebook. Yeah, maybe there's a couple other people out there. That I don't know who you are, but maybe I do, and you're just not there. You're not letting me know you're there. That's fine. That's okay. 
I'm beyond that. <laughs> I don't, I don't have to know if you're there. Um, cause I have nothing to do with how God uses the show. He just does whatever he's going to do with it. <clears throat> um, I will say if you are making comments though, I can't see them on Periscope, which is weird because like the last time I did, I was doing a show, there were comments through the whole thing. I watched some of the replay and all these comments were showing up and I'm like, right now I'm not showing, I'm not seeing anything. So it could just be that you're not making any comments. If that's the case, that's fine. Um, but if you are and I'm not seeing them, I'm sorry because I'm not seeing them. So I feel bad if I'm not seeing your comment, if you are making a comment. So I don't know. But anyway, um, I will say that um, I would ask for your prayer. Um, you know, I'm really struggling with my dad, that, that situation. And I'm also, you know, really working through some stuff uh, that I think is a good thing. Nothing bad. It's just, you know. It's hard to cry, you know? I mean, I don't like to cry all the time. I feel like I'm crying a lot lately. Um, I remember one time, like, probably 20, 30 years ago, I had some somebody prophesy over me once. And one of the things that they prophesied over me was that I was going to be like Jeremiah. <laughs> I remember thinking, thanks a lot. Yeah. <laughs> I'm not receiving that one. No, I'm not. <laughs> I'm just going to go. I'm going to do what God wants me to do. I am not being no weeping prophet. Just say no. And I'm not saying I'm a prophet, but I, I'm kind of like, you know, why couldn't you have prophesied something like happy? You know? <laughs> uh, yeah. Anyway, um, so with that said, what I want to do now is I want to pray for you um, uh, because I think it's important. And so, Lord, <laughs> all right, Lord, <laughs> only you know what's going on here. I have no idea, as you know, but Father, I pray for those people who are tuning into this show, for the few that this show reaches, and Lord, I ask that you bring them into uh, even more authentic and deep relationship with you. Lord, I pray that you would open up the path for for each person that they would encounter new people to touch, minister to. Father, I pray that you would bring more people into their lives to love on them the way that you would have your people love each other. And Lord, I pray that you would bring healing to this land and that you would help your people to uh, not be afraid to be real and Lord help us to trust you because this is a tough time Lord yeah it is it's very tough a lot of people are scared Lord but we know that you know the future and that you have us in the palm of your hand. And so, Father, I just ask for your mercy on us as a people. And I thank you, Lord, for your discipline. And I do thank you, Father, for your correction, because that means you love us. And even though correction right now doesn't seem fun, it does profit us. 
And so, Father, I pray for that. I ask, Father, for fruit that people will come to know you in a real way. Lord, that we wouldn't be like the church of Sardis and be be pretending we're alive, but that we would really be alive as your people. And Lord, I pray for the needs that are unspoken, whether it's financial need, an emotional need, a friendship need, a love need, whatever the need is, Father, for, for the people in this, this audience. Um, and even in my own life, Father, I ask that you would probably, that you would provide those and that you would help us to see it when you provide it. Um, Lord, because you are good and you provide every good and perfect gift comes from you. So I thank you for that. I thank you for your spirit, Father, that comforts us, that convicts us and counsels us. I thank you for the blood of Christ that forgives us, that shed was shed for us so that we could be forgiven. And uh, Lord, I thank you for the power of the resurrection. Because without that, none of this matters. And you did that. That's so cool. Father, I also just pray um, for Donald Trump and Joe Biden. Lord, these two men are in the battle for probably the most powerful position on the planet right now. And Lord, I don't know either one of them, but you do. And Lord, I just pray for both of them. Pray that you would strengthen both of them. I pray that you would help them both to get some rest. And I ask, Father, that you would convict both of them of their sin and that both of them would come to know you in a very personal way if they don't know you yet. Um, if they do know you, I pray that you would convict both of them of their sin and that they would really come to know you in a very powerful way. And that you would remind them that you're the one that raises people up and brings people down. And we pray for the truth to come out as well. I thank you, Lord, that for us, though, that you are that truth. And that's awesome to me. So that's what I pray tonight. Lord, thanks for loving us. I mean, really loving us. And uh, I ask that your love would become more rooted and grounded in our heart. So that we could share it with other people without feeling like we're going to stumble and fall. That's what I pray for. In Jesus' name, amen. And that is what I will end you with. Um, so be bold. Be humble. Stand up, kneel down, and go with God. Because he loves you people. Yeah, he does. <laughs>